0: friends, welcome to a new week and to Monday's episode of Enough for Today for August the 29th. We're almost to September and that means every town is about ready to have a fair. Big E is about to come and fall is on its way. Can you believe it? Um, We are wrapping up work at the school, preparing to start school next week. A lot of great things happening. We had a wonderful day in church yesterday. We had five new believers that followed the Lord in baptism uh, I believe two of them were had trusted Christ on Saturday, the day before. Um, I met so many new guests that are coming to our church, and we had a wonderful day studying, beginning to study John seven. If you did not get to participate in that message, I want to encourage you to go online catch the uh, catch the archive of the first part of John seven. It sets up really for next week when we will try to finish John chapter seven. It's a great chapter, uh, Jesus. Being at the Feast of Tabernacles in Jerusalem, we talk all about what that is, and what he's doing there. And next week it gets even more epic. So um, it was a great day. We finished the day with uh, a, a meeting with our group that's going to the Holy Land. We have fifty-three people going to the Holy Land in the, at the end of November, and we're very excited about that trip and opportunity as well. Well, we we set up Psalm fifty-nine on um, Friday, and we we said that David is um, being hunt, really hunted by enemies uh, appointed by Saul. Saul's trying to kill him. He spent, sends spies to spy out David's house, and they're going to they're gonna find a way in at the right opportune time to kill David. So David uh, is let down the window uh, by his wife. He escapes in the night, um, and it's a deadly moment and a treacherous time. So David writes this psalm. So we're, we're getting a glimpse of what does uh, a follower of God do when he's overcome and overwhelmed by enemies. Now, we all have enemies, whether we know it or not. Our greatest enemy is Satan and the spiritual forces that we fight against. Ephesians 6 says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. We are also uh, the enemies of the system of the world, uh, not the people of the world, per se. We love, we're love, we to love those people. God so loved the world, uh, but John also said, uh, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. So uh, the world system is a way of thinking that uh, rebels against God and redefines what is right and wrong. It's the rejection. It's the system that stands in rejection of God and then creates its own replacement system uh, to the natural created order of God's design. And that system is your enemy and my enemy, So our greatest enemies are spiritual and we are surrounded by those enemies and they are coming and rising up against us as Christians and followers of Jesus really more and more every day. And I realize in a practical manner of speaking in in, in terms of our uh, liberty in America, though many of them are being encroached upon in many respects, we still have liberty as believers to believe, to preach and teach, um, to grow, to follow Jesus, to lead others to him and to do the work of of Christian mission, I mean, to do the work of Jesus, the kingdom of Jesus. And that's a great liberty, and we cherish and treasure that. Uh, But nonetheless, the enemies are rising up against us in terms of demonizing um, what we believe. The very ideas of God are under assault. So when you stand up to speak the ideas of God uh, as truth, you are um, quickly confronted, quickly canceled or shouted down or placed under threat, which, is a, which is, uh, can be an intimidating thing. So we do have enemies. But maybe I'm speaking to a person this morning that you go to work today and, like, you're surrounded by people that hate you or literally people that are plotting and planning against you. Whatever the case, um, this psalm will speak to our response. So the first nine verses, uh, Warren Wearsby breaks this psalm into two pieces. The first is God the Deliverer, verses 1 through 9. And uh, the second is God the judge. And I love that, that breakdown because in big picture, David uh, casts himself before the Lord in prayer, private, personal walking, walking with God. And he brings his struggle, his trial to God. He doesn't take matters into his own hands. Now, we say, well, he escaped out of the window. Yes, he does what is practically sensible, but only when it's sensible and only when it is, can be done in honor to God He's not really uh, trying to control the situation. He's trying to respond to God's leading and direction through the situation. And that's a good posture. Uh, But to see God in these two roles, he's my deliverer and he's the ultimate judge, uh, it releases me. I don't have to deliver myself and I don't have to bring final judgment. I don't have to bring final justice. That's not my role. Um, So keep that in mind as we read. And let's begin in verse one Deliver me from my enemies. Oh, my God, defend me from them that rise up against me. Isn't it awesome to think, I have a God, and he's my God, and I'm his. And as I enter this week, I don't enter it alone. I don't enter it in my own will or my own plan. We talked about Kairos versus Kronos time yesterday. I want to be on God's Kairos. He is my God, and therefore I can rest in him that he will ultimately deliver me from my enemies. He's already declared me victor. David says, defend me. How often have I risen to defense of myself? It's kind of our instinctive urge to defend ourselves. But David's relying on God's defense, and what a better defense. God, you defend me from those that rise up against me. Verse 2, deliver me from the workers of iniquity and save me from bloody men. So you have sinful men and violent men. You have those that are working... um, diabolical plans and that have lost all sense of honor to God. And then you have those that are just brutal and violent and would do physical harm. Two kinds of enemies. And uh, Dave, and really in this case, they're one and the same. But uh, David's saying, God, deliver me from this. And, you know, if that's, that's a prayer that we could pray literally every day in 21st century America. Uh, and really around the world, believers under oppression all over the place. But God, as I go into this day, I as I walk with you, I want to honor you. I don't want to walk in uh, the place of scornful, sinful, ungodly people. I don't want to participate in the system of the world. I need to be in this world, but not of it. And I think that prayer for deliverance on a spiritual level carries forward to all of us. God, deliver me from this system. Help it not to swallow me up in my thinking Help me not to cower to it or to cave into it or the temptations that come my way today, God. I don't want to be a worker of iniquity. I want to be delivered from these things. It, it, it's uh, akin to deliver us from temptation, the Lord's Prayer, okay? Verse 3, for lo, uh, they they lie in wait for my soul. The mighty are gathered against me. Now in Old Testament sense of David's phrase, they lie in wait for my soul, is literally to take his life, okay? Um, I think a New Testament understanding of soul and the, dip, the, the deeper, richer view of your eternal quality as a being, your soul, um, brings the spiritual component to that. Again, to wrestling against flesh and blood and the impact of the spiritual battle on our souls. They lie in wait for my soul. The mighty are gathered against me, I think of that in terms of governance. Uh, powerful, wealthy people are, uh, when they rise up against us, how powerless do we feel? When the system itself turns against us, the very system that's designed to protect us, when that system turns against us, what hope is there, right? And maybe that's where you're at. Maybe you're in a situation where you feel like the whole system is is turned against you in an unjust way. Well, my friend, you have a God. And God can turn that system on itself. He can let the traps that they lay for you spring against them. I've seen it recently in friends of mine that are dealing with with deep and dark injustices. And God springs the trap of the enemy on the enemy in providential ways, in ways that are remarkable. So David says, the mighty are gathered up against me, not, uh, not for my transgression, not for my sin, O Lord. In other words, he's... He's explaining, uh, he's rehearsing to his own conscience and to God that he has not done anything to provoke this injustice in this, state, in this sense, in this context. He's not saying he's sinless. Nobody is. He's saying, in this case, my sin does not, I, I haven't done any crime. I'm innocent of any charges that would uh, warrant this kind of government aggression from the king against me. It's not for my sin, O oh Lord. David is essentially saying, if it were for my sin, maybe I wouldn't be praying this way. Uh, no, it's not for my sin. I haven't done anything. They, verse 4, they run and prepare themselves without my fault. So they are the aggressors here, and it is unjust. So then David p- prays twice, awake. Awake to help me, and behold, God, I I, I It feels to me that you're asleep in this situation. It feels to me that you are passive or dormant in this situation. Now, that's never the case. But I love the fact that David's able to express the experience. God, I want to sense you awake and active. Uh, God, awake to help me. Uh, Behold, look on what's happening. Take stock. Be aware, and we know he is. Verse 5, Thou therefore, O Lord o Lord God of hosts. The, the God of hosts is a great title of God. It's God is the commander of all the armies of heaven. Thou therefore, O Lord God of hosts, the God of Israel, the one who did all the mighty miracles of the past. Awake, there he goes again. Awake, and that word, let's look it up real quick while we're here. Awake means to um, to arouse or to awaken. Pretty simple, right? To visit all the heathen, God says. God, uh, David says, God, I want you to stir up, become active in my situation. Uh, behold, look on what's going on, and then rouse your armies and your mighty miracle-working power, and visit all these heathen people. And and God, be not merciful to any wicked transgressors. God, those that have rejected your mercy, take them out. Those that have rejected your plan, that are that are oppositional to you, rise up in triumph over them, and then David lands Selah. That word Selah is a word of rest. It's a word of transition. It is to to say David is giving his heart and his mind a moment to think and meditate on what he's just prayed. Now my friend, as you enter your week, don't take vengeance into your own hands. Don't be discouraged by the rising of wicked people and systems. No. Just trust in the presence, the awakened active activity of your God in your life. And keep looking up to him and awaiting his deliverance. Hey, happy Monday. We're going to pick it up at verse 6 tomorrow. Have a great day.